Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. It's your friend, it's your buddy, it's your pal, it's Andrew Zimmel in studio hanging out with you. And uh, of course, we do this every week. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's on every single platform, so there's no excuses for you not to be locked in and tuned in to talk TCU athletics with us. Big opportunity here. You can win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by living, leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Okay, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you screenshot it. Send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Send him proof, and he will send you a koozie. Have a chance to win a koozie. Lots to talk about. we got to talk TCU baseball, of course, and then a little bit of basketball to end the podcast. What is my concern level for a 5-4 and four in-conference TCU team, 18-11 and 11 overall, and an awful weekend, in my opinion, against the Texas Tech Red Raiders? I take a little bit of blame here. I take a little bit of blame. I didn't throw a pitch. I didn't swing a bat. I did not even play first base, right? I wasn't even a first base coach, but I'm going to take a little bit of the blame here for TCU's struggles where they score 28 runs over the weekend and go one and two against Texas Tech. I'm going to take some of the blame because I met a beautiful woman from Lubbock, Texas, and instead of taking all of my energy, all of the aura that Andrew Zimmel has and directing it at the Texas Tech baseball team and giving them all the bad juju and making my voodoo dolls, I was too busy talking to women from Lubbock. I know. That's my fault. But the TCU team didn't do me any favors either. I should say the TCU pitching staff. Because if you're going to score 28 runs over a three-game period, I think most teams in the country would assume that you won those games. I think most fans in the country would assume that their team won those games. So for TCU to lose those games against Tech this past weekend, it was rough. And the other thing is, too, it's not like TCU used all their runs in one game. There wasn't one 20-2 win. Okay, Every single time they scored a ton of runs, it was needed. All right, They lost game one 20-16 after having, I want to say it was a six-run lead in game one. Uh, they lost one game to 10-7. Okay, Don't really... Think that you should be needing to score 10 runs to win a game by three runs, but hey, that's just me. And game three was a 10-5 loss. It was another tough outing for Ryan uh, Venderhall, who lasted only two innings and gave up five earned runs on three walks and zero strikeouts in game one against Texas Tech. Like, look, we don't point fingers here on the Hypnotoad podcast. I've never been the type to point a finger at somebody and say, it's your fault that we're losing games. But if we were going to point a finger, it would be at the pitching staff, right? If we were going to point a finger, it would be at the TCU pitching staff, which has not been great by, in my again, in my opinion, has not been great by the standards that I hold them to. Has not been great by the standards that we hold them to. And what the funny thing is, is even after a relatively abysmal outing against Tech, TCU is still very much in the hunt for the top seed in the Big 12. Okay, I know we're only only in April. No, there's a lot of games left to be played. But this is something I keep an eye on. I want a very good conference record. I want to not only win the Big 12, I want to win the Big 12 tournament. I want to go into the Super Regional with a great seeding. 
Okay, I, I want these things for this TCU baseball team. That's what my eyes are directed towards. And even though it's early in the season, you know, the saying goes, you can't win the pennant in April, but you can lose it. And TCU baseball trying to find their footing early in the season. I'm not saying they're going to win the conference in April, but if you get yourself a little bit of a hole, that is a hard hole to dig yourself out of, especially when you look at this conference. Baseball-wise, I still think that this is one of the, if not the second best baseball conference in the country. I think the SEC and the Big 12, it's kind of a coin flip. And there's a lot of very good teams. So if TCU finds themselves in the hole, trying to figure out the pitching rotation, that is not, a, to me, a good place to be in. Even with all of that, right, even with all of that, TCU still has one of the better, which is surprising, one of the better earned run averages in the conference. Okay, TCU right now, has the third team ERA in the Big 12, trailing only Texas and WVU. I want to say it's hovering around 3.5 as a team ERA, which is pretty good, all things considered. 5-4 and four in conference, 18-11 overall. You're seven games above 500 in your overall record, and you still have the third-best team ERA. To me, this is a little bit of a silver lining for a relatively turbulent uh, season so far when you get into conference play. It doesn't get any easier when you look at this upcoming weekend against Oklahoma State. That game start playing on Thursday. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh, schedule. They did win a game yesterday. Recording this podcast Wednesday afternoon. They won a game yesterday against Tarleton State. A 9-8 win, which I'll be honest with you, I was box score watching this game. I had other things going on. I had the scoreboard updates going on my phone. So it comes to a surprise to me that TCU is trailing Tarleton State. Again, I say, my panic level, it is starting to get a little antsy. I know it's April. I know things aren't, you know, written in stone just yet. I know there's a lot of time to kind of figure these things out. But to trail to a Tarleton State team that was on a five-game losing streak before yesterday. Now, granted, TCU won. Who am I and who amongst us is there to complain about a win, right? If your team wins, nine times out of ten, people will tell the fan base to shut up. Sit back in your seat, get your bucket of popcorn, get your soda. We don't want to hear it. There's fan bases around the country who their team are still looking for a win, right? So what are we complaining for? Well, the reason I'm complaining is that Tarleton State is a good baseball program. There's no disrespect to Tarleton State. They're a good baseball program. They should not be leading TCU. TCU lost to Texas State. These are not teams. These are good teams. These are not teams that TCU should be losing to, even if it's April. TCU scored five unanswered runs to rally back a 9-8 victory over Tarleton on Tuesday. Anthony Silva, we talked about him last week. He collected two hits in the game and drove in the go-ahead run in the seventh inning. So he had the most important hit of the game, some would argue. Tarleton, they're in the middle of a five-game losing streak. The fact TCU had to rally back does not make me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. Giving up eight runs as a pitching staff, another head-scratcher here. If you look at it, look, 20 earned or twenty runs, seven runs, ten runs, now eight runs. We're on the right side of things. We're getting keeping a below-double-digit run scored in these games. But the TCU pitching staff, they got to find a way to work it around. And it doesn't help that this weekend Oklahoma State comes to town. Oklahoma State, they're coming to Fort Worth 
two big things. Big thing number one, Cowboys are the number one team in the conference right now. Great conference record. Oklahoma State, they're not beating up on the little guys. They, they have some pretty solid wins at this point. I don't think that they're a team. I Before the season, I did not think they were going to be a team that was going to be giving everybody a lot of trouble. I thought they would be kind of middle of the pack of the Big 12. Texas, of course. TCU, of course. Those were my two teams that I was looking at for the microscope. These are the two teams I have picked to win the Big 12. Oklahoma State was not one of those teams. So for them to be in this spot right now, early in the standings, looking pretty good, a win this weekend, a series win this weekend, would do a lot for the confidence of this team. It would do a lot for my confidence as well. Going back to 2019, TCU has won four of the last six meetings against OSU at home. Okay, pretty good. Four of the last six meetings at home, TCU has won. So the games played in Fort Worth, you have a pretty good shot of walking away with a victory. I want to mention this, too. I want to slip this in here. Player of the weekend for me was uh, Braden Taylor, the junior. Uh, 7 of 13 at the at the plate. Eight runs scored in six RBIs, three doubles, and two home runs in that series against Texas Tech. He is by far the player of the weekend. I'd like to see that continue to go. I mean, it's going to be difficult, right? You have an excellent weekend in high-scoring games. I will admit that, you know, the one home run that he had in game one against Texas Tech, that was a much-needed home run. The second home run was kind of already in a loss. So it's like, okay, he kept us in the game. But what, like, you know, that the spots, right? You have a big home run in the ninth inning. That home run clearly means a little bit more than a home run, say, in the first inning, right? So he had a very good series against Texas Tech. Is what I'm trying to say. I'd like to see that continue. And then, of course, Anthony Silva is uh, right now the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to team MVP, in my opinion. So he's doing pretty good. Player to watch for Oklahoma State as we come into this series is uh, David Menham, okay? The senior, David Menham, eighth in the conference and hits with 38. But he's not just somebody that hits for average. He hits for power, too. Third in the conference in home runs with eight. He's tied with a bunch of guys. Eight home runs. Oklahoma State, in my opinion, right? Oklahoma State, to me, is a team that has a chance to put up a ton of runs. And after a tough weekend, the last weekend against Tech, TCU cannot afford to give up 7, 9, 14 runs a game. they got to find a way to keep these batters in control in the box. you got to find a way to get that pitching staff aced up a little bit, tighten it up a little bit. I think this is the weekend that they do it. I don't think it's going to be a series sweep. I think Oklahoma State steals one of these games in Fort Worth. A 2-1 series win, though, for TCU would put them back up in the standings and make me a lot, a lot more uh, relaxed as we continue through this month of April. All right, let's move on to basketball. As TCU had some basketball basketball news, uh, players leaving, players coming in. We'll talk about the players leaving first. Shenada Wells, he enters the transfer portal, averaged 5.5 points per game, 2.3 assists, 2 rebounds per game, shooting 44% from the floor. Of course, he transferred from UTA, where he averaged about 17, 4, and 3 on 41%. That was in the 2020-2021 season. He was the catalyst for TCU with their win on the road against uh, number 2 Kansas. The Jayhawks took the Jayhawks down earlier this season. He had a really good game in that one. 
17 points, 7 of 8 shooting, 3 of 4 from downtown. He was also a key contributor when uh, Mike Miles Jr. was sidelined with a knee injury. Mike Miles Jr., of course, we talked last week. He has entered the NBA draft. So, great career at TCU. With no Mike Miles Jr., you would kind of like to see Wells fill in that role, right? He did a really good job when Jr. was hurt. I would like to see him in a full-time role. What would that look like as a starter for Jamie Dixon? Instead, he is deciding to move on. Wells is also a key player. Okay, he he's one of three players who has entered the transfer portal. Eddie Lampkin Jr., who has gone over to Colorado. Freshman guard P.J. Hegarty, who is uh, uncommitted right now. And then, of course, Miles Jr. and Emmanuel Miller. They both declared for the 2023 NBA draft. So those are five players off last year's squad that had an incredible season. They look like one of the best teams in the conference at times. They played like one of the best teams in the conference in the conference uh, tournament. And, of course, they made it to the second round before losing to Gonzaga. Great season, great group of players, great team chemistry. You subtract five of those guys off that team, what does it look like for head coach Jamie Dixon? Well, he's already answering some of those questions as he's bringing in Jameer Nelson Jr. Now, if that name rings a bell to you, it's because he is the son of 14-year NBA vet Jameer Nelson, played for the Orlando Magic, went to the NBA Finals in 2009. He was a starting point guard for that team. Bounced around the league a little bit. Jameer Nelson, solid NBA player. His son, solid college player, had a great season. He is a a transfer from Delaware. He's the number fourth-ranked player in the transfer portal, according to a college basketball expert, uh, John Rothstein. Here's the thing. I think that it's really interesting that Jamie Dixon's already getting a relatively big-name guy. Now, by no means is Jameer Nelson Jr. a household name, right? He's not a household name. But getting the number four recruit in the transfer portal tells me that this is a coaching staff that's not afraid to swing big. You swing big, you sometimes get big hits, and that's exactly what they're doing with uh, Nelson. Played two seasons at George Washington before spending two seasons at Delaware, where he helped the Blue Jays to a CAA championship and a trip to the NCAA tournament in the 2021-2022 season. He also led the CAA in scoring at just under 21 points per game. He earned first-team all-conference while being first-team all-defense. That is big. That's huge. A guy that can play both sides of the floor. Mike Miles Jr. was a very good scorer. His defense lacking, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word to say. It was not all-conference. We'll put it that way. And the CAA is not the Big 12. The Big 12 was the best basketball conference in America this year. So to say like, oh, this is a great player from this mid-major conference. What is it going to look like in the Big 12? There's a chance that that doesn't transfer over completely. But the other big thing, I think, about the Jameer Nelson commitment to TCU is that I think this is the first domino of the next five, six, hopefully seven dominoes to fall for this program. And that would be to continue to get into the transfer portal. Now, all signs point to Jamie Dixon and this coaching staff being in the transfer portal already. There's already kind of murmurs and rumors about some other guys that potentially could be coming over from other programs. I have always been a big proponent of the transfer portal. I like bringing in established guys. I like bringing in guys that know what it's like to win. You talk about Jameer Nelson Jr. He knows what it's like to win. He knows what it's like to be an alpha on a team. 
The question is, can you mix the pot? Can you get a bunch of different guys from different programs all together? And that really has been the struggle for a lot of teams in the transfer portal, right? Can we bring in all these different pieces and find a way to make them work? I think Jamie Dixon is the type of head coach that could make any sort of ingredient work for the recipe. But on the flip side of things, if that doesn't work, we're going to go back in four, maybe, shoot, maybe three years and say, hey, why weren't they developing players? Why weren't players that were being developed sticking around? Those are the two big things right now for a TCU men's basketball. So a lot of going on, a lot of things going on around uh, the Fort Worth area, a lot of things going around around the campus. And, uh, you know, come to the podcast and learn more about them. Next week we'll probably be talking about some spring football action as we get closer and closer to kickoff. I think we're only like 200-something days away from opening day of the 2023 college football season. Can you believe it? doesn't feel like it. feels like the national championship just wrapped up. And TCU, they got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after losing the Big 12 last year and uh, losing the national championship, trying to get back there. So we'll have all of that and more for you next week. Reminder, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And, of course, you have a chance to win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Send a screenshot to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That'll do it for the Hypno Toad Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week.